Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the social media platform that's been compared to a town square where all walks of life meet. And six months ago, it got a new owner. Elon Musk has now completed his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter after months of legal battles. And he's changed his own Twitter title to Chief Twit. Despite a rocky start, it's still here. Elon Musk had bold plans from the start. In just under a week, Musk has already fired top executives and dissolved the company's board of directors. He's also rolled out plans for users to pay $8 a month to remain verified. As if running a social media platform wasn't enough, Musk is also making cars, burrowing under cities, putting chips into animals' brains, and trying to send the most powerful rocket ever built into space. too much, even for Elon Musk. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jenny Kleeman. Today, six months of Musk, how Elon changed Twitter. So much has happened at Twitter since Musk took over six months ago, it's hard to recall it. Luckily, the Sunday Times West Coast correspondent Danny Fortson does remember it all. So I think the operative word here is chaos. So you may recall the first day after he finally agreed to buy this company because for the previous couple months he had been trying every which way to back out of the deal to not buy the company because he bought it at the top of the market for a very, very big price, $44 billion. He walks through the door carrying a sink, like a porcelain sink. As in the joke being, let that sink in, ha ha ha, very funny. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm laughing now, but perhaps for all the wrong reasons. Yes, so indeed, <laughs> indeed. So he walks in and immediately people are very concerned because details had already begun to leak about what he might do there. And there were about 7,500 people working at the company, another 5,000 or so contractors. And first order of business is, you know, this was a company that was losing money. It was a well-known kind of corporate basket case for many years as a public company. So it was definitely in need of some shock therapy. And the fear was just how severe this was going to be. And it turns out it was extremely, extremely severe. Well, uh, it's not been boring. <laughs> it's been quite a roller coaster. The, the pain level of Twitter has been extremely high. Um, this hasn't been some sort of party. Um, so. so of those 7,500 people, Musk has ended up getting rid of about 5,500 of them. So there's less than 2,000 full-time employees now. And he's gotten rid of almost all the contractors. So in total, he has gotten rid of more than 10,000 people. So 80-plus percent of those who were working for the company just six months ago. Sources within the company say the layoffs include staff that filtered out hate speech and studied misinformation. Critics now worry that Twitter's ability to police misinformation is compromised. He has gotten rid of a huge amount of engineering talent, numerous teams that police the site for extreme content and other things. They're just gone. That's a pretty dramatic start to Musk's time in Twitter. He makes huge cuts to the staff. 80% have gone. But it's not just on the engineering side, is it? Describe to me what happens when you or any other journalist approaches Twitter for comment. So now if you are writing a story about Twitter and you reach out for comment, say via direct message, because there's no real formal press function, you either get deafening silence or if you're lucky, a poop emoji. And that's it. That's inside Twitter HQ. But what about Twitter itself? What happened to the people who'd previously been banned from the platform? One of his big bugbears, if you will, is that he said Twitter has been kind of too woke. It is too, you know, lefty. It's too progressive. And he's convinced that they were suppressing voices on the right, conservative voices. So he has let a lot of people who had been banned, some of them permanently, back on the service. Of course, most famously, Donald Trump was reinstated, although he has for now stuck with Truth Social, his kind of rival social media platform that he posts on quite regularly. But of course, it doesn't have anywhere near the traffic that Twitter does. So Danny, six months into this adventure, the two big questions have to be, first of all, how have staff responded to these changes that Elon Musk has made? And what has it done to the platform itself? Has it made Twitter better? So I'll start with the staff. There's not many of them left. When you think about a service that is used by hundreds of millions of people every day, having it run by less than 2,000 people is pretty extraordinary. Those who are left are, many of them are either true believers or they just need a job. These are very difficult times in the tech industry. There's been hundreds of thousands of layoffs, so it's not as easy to find a new job as it might have been even six months ago. I've talked to people internally who said at certain periods, it's been a bit like the Hunger Games, where you know that there's this kind of metaphorical guillotine hanging over your neck 
for months on end. You're given impossible deadlines issued at strange hours of the night. And if you don't meet them, you're gone. There's been huge cutbacks in basics like in the early days, Lou Roll. People were actually bringing in their own Lou Roll to the office because, <laughs> because Twitter under Musk was trying to cut back to the bones because, again, this is a deeply loss-making company. You know, the issue is like the, the company is either going to go bankrupt if, if we do not cut costs immediately. Um, this is not a, a caring, uncaring situation. It's like if the whole ship sinks, then nobody's going to drop. He has even been sued by the landlord in downtown San Francisco for non-payment of rent. So it is just could not be more different than what it was before, which was this very kumbaya, cushy place, free kombucha bars and massages and nap rooms and all, all of that is gone. When it comes to the platform itself, I have to say I'm talking to you as somebody who is reluctantly completely addicted to Twitter. And I think even a casual user would notice that there have been some changes in, in the user experience. I mean, it's been a bit glitchy. Is that not fair to say? Well, so this is a really hard thing to say definitively one way or the other. Say, so I, like you, have anecdotally noticed some changes. Some of the people I follow who are the most prominent tweeters, if you will, they just kind of disappear from my feed for weeks at a time, and then they'll come back. And there's been a lot of seemingly strange things happening. But of course, if you say things aren't going well, they aren't working, Musk will just deny this. I think it's working better than ever. It's about, we, we've increased the uh, responsiveness of the system by, in some cases, over 80%. And because it's no longer a public company, there's not that same level of accountability and transparency that is required if you are, say, a public company. We can go by anecdotal evidence, but it's hard to say definitively, oh, this thing is way more glitchy and here is why. Elon Musk appears to be trying things out on the platform, doing kind of live experiments, banning links to other social media platforms and then saying they're not banned. You know, he even ran a live poll, didn't he, where uh, asking users whether or not he should step down. I mean, it does feel very much like it's a kind of continual work in progress. Absolutely. And absolutely. And he's done some very kind of other erratic things, including making sure that his tweets were boosted because in the midst of all of these layoffs, he was noticing that his tweets were getting far, far less engagement than they used to. So he assembled a crack team to make sure that he was getting as much shine as he felt like he deserved as well as some other power users. So it is really, as you say, that's a good way to put it. It's an experiment happening before our eyes with one of the most prominent social media platforms in the world, which is kind of extraordinary and something that when you kind of step back, you think only Elon Musk would be somebody who would even try to do something like that. But he did run that Twitter poll. There we have it. The people of Twitter have spoken and more than 57% of them have said they want Elon Musk, the current CEO, to go. Is he ever going to stand down? I think he wants to, but you know, he's had to perform pretty major surgery on the company and I think that continues. So I think once it's maybe stabilized and things start moving in a different direction, I think he absolutely wants to hand it off to a lieutenant and I imagine he will at some point. He's bitten off quite a job here. We've got a clear sense there of the chaos of Musk's early days at Twitter, the radical changes in the company, on the platform. But what has that done to the bottom line? What has the impact been on Twitter as a business? Horrendous. 
very, very bad. <laughs> so when it was a public company, the last annual report showed that it brought in about $5 billion. And this is basically all advertising money. By all accounts, this has at least fallen by 50%. It's halved because a lot of brands, when we're talking about all these kind of erratic changes and kind of taking the guardrails that the previous company had put on, they're just concerned about whether this is a brand safe environment. That's the terminology that the industry loves to use. So you have companies like Unilever, Eli Lilly, McDonald's, Coca-Cola saying, you know what, we're just going to pause because we just don't understand exactly what is happening here, how it works, etc. And these are big, big advertisers that are, again, the lifeblood of the company, which gets back to this strange situation that Musk has put himself in is where it's kind of like trying to catch a falling knife. Revenue is plummeting, but he's trying to cut faster than the falling revenue to get back into the black. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a bit of a downward spiral. And the question is, it's like, where do you stop? Where is rock bottom from which you can start to rebuild? And one of the ways that Elon Musk is trying to change the business model is by getting people to pay for their blue ticks. Do you think that's going to make up for any of these losses? To raise revenues, Twitter plans to offer users verified accounts for $8 a month, though it's unclear what steps the company is taking to verify these accounts. It feels like that will, at best, be a rounding error. Because, I don't know about you, I had a blue tick, or I have a blue tick, I think, or I think I've lost it now. My ambivalence toward it is an indicator. I don't really care. And I feel like Musk dramatically overestimated the importance of the blue tick to people and their willingness to pay for it, especially for a service that they have been getting for free for more than a decade. Some people are paying for it and you do get some added functionality, but it doesn't feel like for most people it's value for money and they're just going to say no. Elon Musk has given a couple of interviews recently with the BBC and with Fox News. What did we learn from those interviews? <laughs> that, you know, he seems at once proud at how, you know, he's kind of cut this back to the bone. So how do you run the company with only 20% of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, all that many people to run Twitter. And he still has some grand plans. Ensuring the... Uh, strength of democracy uh, and free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. And the, the speech needs to be as uh, transparent and truthful as possible. And, you know, sometimes truth can be a little bit elusive, but you, yes. but you can still aspire to get closer to it. When he first started, it's worth just remembering at the time, right after he bought the company, a deck circulated that he had created about his plans for Twitter, turning it into a quote-unquote super app, something where you could do commerce, social media, messaging, like it kind of, it becomes like the center of your online universe in the way that WeChat is in China. The opposite is happening. But he is still trying, or at least saying he is trying to push in that direction. He recently signed a deal with a company, eToro, to start trying to incorporate some kind of financial trading functionality within Twitter. Twitter's more than 350 million users can now trade stocks and crypto on the app thanks to a new partnership with online brokerage company eToro. And he's now also rolling out a function where very prominent users can charge people to follow them, you know, what they call super followers 
for people whose content is that good that you would actually pay for it. That's the idea. Again, he's trying lots of stuff to turn it into this super app, but so far, very little has stuck. And when you see interviews, and particularly ones where he's quite bullish about the future of Twitter, as somebody who's watched Silicon Valley for so many years, do you trust what Elon Musk says? (laughs) So I would say it's a complicated question. So he has a long, long, long history of overpromising. And then when the time by which he says he's going to do thing X arrives, he is still years away. But what I would say is that he does ultimately deliver. He did create the world's largest car company. He is sending astronauts into space with reusable rockets and becoming the primary contractor to NASA. These were all completely bonkers ideas when he first started out, but he is very bombastic and he's very confident because he's an engineer and he said, well, you can engineer this problem. The the difference with Twitter is that it is basically just a big cacophony of humans arguing. This is not a machine that you can build that is better than the current machines. And I think that is the difficulty he's running into here. It's not a rocket. It's not a car. It's just a bunch of people. And you're trying to figure out a way to make something that is civil, usable, and a nice place to be. And so far, he's struggling. Coming up, what inspires the man behind electric cars, rockets, and computer chips implanted into brains? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Danny, let's talk about the man himself. Elon Musk is clearly massively ambitious. He's got a huge range of business interests from Twitter to Tesla to SpaceX. Where does he get his ideas from? What kind of character is he? 
he is a very optimistic person about humanity and humanity's ability to engineer a better life. He's also, as I said, an engineer, and he's on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. I'm actually making history tonight as the first person with Asperger's to host SNL. Or at least the first to admit it. And so every problem has a solution. You know, every problem is engineerable. And that is really his mindset. One thing he often says in interviews, you know, he's pro-human. He's very much about improving the human condition by taking these big swings like electric cars, you know, cleaning up transport, which is a third of our carbon emissions, or making us an interplanetary species with his rockets business. He's said very famously he wants to settle Mars because, you know, we're running out of resources on Earth is the idea. I'd first like to share with you my vision for the future. I believe in a renewable energy future. I believe that humanity must become a multi-planetary space-bearing civilization. He often will talk about how we should all be having more kids and how people who, you know, are so concerned about climate change, they don't want to have kids. He's like, that's the worst idea ever. We should be having more people because there'll be more minds working on big problems. Let's now take a look at some of his other business interests. Let's start with Tesla, his car company. How's that doing? Very well generally. So Tesla is now the largest car company in the world by market value. And what he has done there is really quite impressive. He's catalyzed the biggest change to the auto industry in a century. Because if you step back and look at what Detroit is doing, all the big car companies, they have all rolled out plans to phase out the internal combustion engine which is the biggest technological change in that industry since it started. You have governments now rolling out bans for future sales of internal combustion engine cars starting sometime in the next decade. So none of that would have happened without Tesla because it showed for for the first time that actually you can have an electric car that works, can go far enough so you can get past this range anxiety problem. And that's actually fun to drive. It's actually a better product. This was something that he spent more than a decade working on. And every year he skirted bankruptcy and was, you know, oftentimes days away from having to shut down because he was running out of money. And now the company is worth more than Toyota or Ford or any of these other massive car companies that have been around for a century. Away from the cars, Musk's focus over the past week must have been on perhaps his most ambitious project, SpaceX, which has been trying to launch its latest rocket. His track record with these rockets is quite impressive. Again, this just speaks to his ambition. He's building this gigantic rocket they've called Starship. And this is a truly enormous rocket. And the goal is for this to ultimately be, you know, effectively a people carrier for Mars. Well, if you're just joining us, Starship just experienced what we call a rapid unscheduled disassembly or a rud during ascent. But now this was a development test. This is the first test flight of Starship. And the goal was to gather the data and, as we said, clear the pad and get ready to go again. Yes, he has blown a lot of them up. But more and more, they come up, they come back down, and often they're landing on remote-controlled floating platforms in the ocean. They land perfectly on these things. It's really proper science fiction type stuff. 
And he's into quite a lot of science fiction type stuff, isn't he? I mean, what about Neuralink? Neuralink is his company that is working on what they call a brain-computer interface, which is chips inserted in your brain that kind of link you in directly to the internet, artificial intelligence, whatever it may be. So last year, they put out a video... And he showed the capabilities of what they had invented, and they showed a monkey playing a video game with his mind. One of the things the Neuralinks allow Pager to do is to play his favorite video game, Pong. To control his paddle on the right side of the screen, Pager simply thinks about moving his hand up or down. He said last year that they would have put this in their first human. That did not happen, but I am sure he will move forward with that because that kind of dovetails perfectly with one of his other big concerns, which of course is AI. Has Twitter taken any of his focus, any of his attention away from his more successful businesses? There was a huge amount of concern with Tesla Last year, its shares crashed once he took over the company because the investors rightfully were saying, well, look, you're the CEO of this gigantic car company with operations all over the world, and now you're running a social media company as well? That makes no sense. That's crazy. So there's been a lot of concern around you know, just how many hours there are in a day for Musk. But Tesla has continued to perform. They're selling millions of cars. And so that's still working. But there is a question of how does this all hang together when you're also sending rockets into space? He's launching a new AI company to address his concerns about the rise of super intelligent machines. He's got Neuralink. He's got the Boring Company, which is burrowing tunnels under cities. You kind of wonder at some point, how much more can you do? Now, of course, the other big frontier in science fiction is artificial intelligence. And you mentioned that. Elon Musk has been quite vocal on that. Remind us exactly what his concerns are. So to boil it down, artificial intelligence, we've all seen the rise of ChatGPT, which is this amazing kind of chatbot that can write poetry. It can write software code that is better or as good as humans in a fraction of the time. It can write scripts. It's really quite powerful. And it's been this kind of big bang type moment for the artificial intelligence. And it's really being seen as kind of the next great technology platform, similar to like the invention of the internet itself. So people are very excited about that. But lots of people are saying, you know, look, we need to slow down because this stuff is different. This is not the internet. This is something that is teaching itself. It is exhibiting what they call emergent properties. So some of these programs are you know learning languages that they weren't taught. They're doing things that are unexpected and that are unexplained. He's very concerned that, as he called it, it's summoning the demon. I mean, with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. You know all those stories where there's the guy with the pentagram and the holy water, and he's like, yeah, you sure you can control the demon? <laughs> Doesn't work out. He thinks the arise of these super intelligent machines are an existential threat to humanity that we're all going to be killed, basically. The smartest creatures, as far as you know, on this earth are humans. Now, what happens when something uh, vastly smarter than the smartest person uh, comes along in silicon form? Uh, It's very difficult to predict what will happen in that circumstance. And again, this sounds outlandish, but 
his concern is that, look, this stuff is developing incredibly fast. We don't have guardrails on it. This is a big thing. This is an existential threat to humanity, which is why he's setting up this new AI company to try to kind of build it in a more responsible way. And is that really what's happening? I mean, is he expressing his concerns perhaps in a bid to slow his competitors down whilst his own company gains some ground? Or does he really think that he is able to uh, develop an AI that won't have the same problems as the AIs everyone else is generating? Well, it's a very good question because he's just publicly started talking about this new AI company. And he, I think, referred to it as Truth GPT instead of Chat GPT, because there's also a whole anti-woke angle here where he's saying these models are being trained to be too woke, too progressive, etc. So you never quite know like how much is political agenda here. And how much is, oh, actually, I just want to save the universe. How much of it is, I see a massive business opportunity here because, again, artificial intelligence, these new tools, it's becoming a new infrastructure layer upon which a whole bunch of businesses are going to build new stuff. And whoever wins that is going to be very, very, very rich. And so it is hard to understand how he plans to kind of save humanity, but also build a new AI that is going to be better than the other AIs. That is not at all clear. Danny, you've been reporting on Silicon Valley long enough to know that it would probably be a mistake to make predictions. But is there any way of predicting what's next for Elon Musk and for Twitter specifically? The thing that I've been kind of impressed by, and it's not necessarily about Musk, but really about the power of social media is, you know, there's been so much chaos at Twitter and so much bad press, but it still has just kind of continued on. I know some people have rage quit or have very noisily said, you know what, I'm out of here. But the reality is the people who are on it have stayed on it for the most part because that's where the other people that they know are on. In a way, he is running these public experiments, but I don't think Twitter just disappears. These social networks are extremely durable because once you get enough people on it and everybody knows their friends and their contacts and the people they're interested in are on it, they're not going to leave or it's going to be a bigger decision than you might think to leave. So I think Twitter continues on, it trundles on, it may be, end up being his worst deal. It's probably already worth less than half of what he paid for it. Revenues have fallen. Brands are staying away. The people are still there, but it's not clear how he's going to kind of rehabilitate it as a business. It's never been a good business. That's what's funny about this whole thing is that from day one, it's been a very bad business. It's almost never made money. And that's what he's trying to do. So I think it'll continue on as, and kind of just be a basket case, just in a different way, an Elon Musk basket case, as opposed to the basket case it was before. listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, Jenny Kleeman, and my guest, Sunday Times West Coast correspondent, Danny Fortson. If you're a subscriber, you can find Danny's big weekend read, Inside the Mind of Elon Musk, at thetimes.co.uk. And you should also check out his podcast, Danny in the Valley. I'm a big fan. The producer was Edward Drummond, the executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please leave us a review. It'll help others find us. See you soon.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.